In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that forgot to write a joke here because they were too busy celebrating Father's Day. I am your host. You botched it, bud. Yeah, I did. I did. I botched it hard. I'll be on Botchamania with this soon. (laughs) Matthew, hit us up. Um, I am your host, Detective Mark Smarts. I'm joined by my partner in crime fighting, District Attorney Vincent K. Faye. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm tired, man. My nephew graduated high school this weekend with a with a COVID graduation, and so, boy, I'm spent. I went all the way to Colorado this weekend, so. And yes, I realize this is the state next to Nebraska, but it's not like it's not like right next door, you know. Yeah, it's it's quite a ways away. For any of our international listeners, um, driving from from where we're from in central Nebraska. Um, to Colorado is is roughly like driving the entire length of uh, the entire country of Britain, right? From top yeah, to might bottom. Be a little farther than that. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for you, it would be farther for sure. For, for me, me, it definitely would be. It. You know, it's it's um, America is is very spread out, um, <laughs> and and it's kind of hard. You know, I, I've spoken to people from like places like Japan, and it's something that they have a hard time wrapping their brain around when they come to America is how spread out things actually can be. Because we've got three hundred plus million people in America. But there are large stretches in the Midwest where you don't see a soul for hours. You know, for you can drive. Wyoming. Yeah, and the whole uh, state you know, of Wyoming. from one side of of Nebraska to the other end of Nebraska is what six hours nonstop, and that's yeah, not even including the Panhandle. Well, I think if if you went to like Ogallala from you. Ogallala is a town of 2,000 people, but anybody in Nebraska knows where it's at. Um, it's, uh, yeah, that'd be five and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Six if you count the time change. If yeah. it was Ogallala to you. Four if you go in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, we changed time zones in our state. Yes. So. Yeah. And if you did the whole state, it would be about, it's uh, almost eight hours, seven, seven hours, seven and a half hours from east to west. So, you know, and still nothing compared to, say, Texas. If you went from the panhandle of Texas to Houston, you're looking at a 15-hour drive. Mm -hmm. That's the deal. And, you know, keep in mind, that's traveling, at least the uh, talking about it in Nebraska. That's a 75-mile-per-hour speed limit. So, yeah. Uh, or in in British terms or French terms, that is a what is that? That's a hundred mile or hundred kilometer per hour, roughly. I was actually just looking it up. That'd be a hundred and twenty kilometers per hour. Hundred and twenty kpm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fast. Yeah, and and so you know that's talking. If we say six hours, right? That's 700 kilometers. 
And it's uh, about three hours north and south, so yeah. we're much longer than we are white. We're tall. Yeah. Kind of like a lot of people's belly buttons. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite as deep as some people's belly buttons get, but I don't know where we're going with that conversation, so anyway. let's get to a podcast. So, not joined uh, this week by RCMP JLB. He is uh, finishing up his testing and studying for this semester of school because um, he is uh, back in school for that. Um, so, uh, it's just the two of us doing this old school on this. Before we get into everything, I do like to remind everyone that Raw and Order WBU is part of the Tatnus Co. Podcast Network. So once you are done with this episode, you can head on over to tatnusco.com and lick, listen to any of the other shows in the network. Or you can lick into them, too. That's <laughs> fine. Um, uh, and and you know, tell them we sent you and then come back for another episode of one of our shows. So um, a lot of great stuff there. But we will go ahead and get straight into the crime reporting for this week. And I, I, before we actually get into the crimes, though, I feel like it's very important to talk about a real-world crime uh, that has happened. And we're not going to spend a lot of time on it because, frankly, we don't have all the information to really talk about it. And we're not the people to talk about it. This is a serious thing. In the world of professional wrestling, if you follow Twitter at all, uh, there was a hashtag speaking out where a lot of people in or involved with the wrestling business have uh, come out with some serious allegations towards a lot of people that we know and a lot of independent wrestlers that we don't know very well. Um, And I'm not going to get into the details of the accusations many of them are are sexually predatory uh some of them are physically predatory um a lot of people being named in it uh, some really big names coming out uh, we find ourselves in a in a tough dilemma in the world when things like this happen uh because from a legal standpoint especially here in america innocent until proven guilty is the legal standard um, and these are allegations, not convictions, right? Correct. But I do think there is also a moral standpoint uh, that we need to understand that these these victims coming forward with these stories of abuse, um, they have very, very little to gain and everything in the world to lose by coming forward with these. Including and, their love of a of a sport of a career. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't you don't typically party with wrestlers not knowing that they're wrestlers. You know. Yeah, and that's the deal. Is and so I I feel like we can talk all we want about the legal ramifications of this some other time, but from a moral standpoint, I feel there is a moral imperative that we believe the victims until we have any sort of proof otherwise we we have to trust that they are coming forth uh in good faith um the long and the short of it is even if some of the the accusations turn out to be false uh even one accusation being true of this nature is one too many in the world of professional wrestling and and more of them is just more too many uh, this is this is a very dark, dark time for professional wrestling. Already it was tough with COVID and all that, but to see this coming forth 
and exposing this kind of dirty good old boys club underbelly of professional wrestling um it needed to be done to cleanse it out so um to to the people coming forth uh you know i keep keep telling your truth um i'm sorry you had to go through stuff like this uh i i i myself have never been put in that position for a lot of reasons. And so I cannot fathom the hurt that would have happened going through this. Um, but but this show isn't isn't gonna go into the allegations specifically right now. Cause like I say, we don't we don't know anymore. Yeah. Uh there'll there'll be plenty of time to Jim Cornette the crap out of these people. Yeah. Um when there's convictions involved. And we will Jim Cornette the crap out of these oh. people. Oh, I didn't even tell you how uh, beforehand how um, apropos that particular reference is to this uh, thing. So, um, oh, let me guess, he's one of them that was accused. <laughs> Moving on, I'm, so- <laughs> I'm sorry for any of the victims out there that you had to go through this. Uh, as wrestling, as the wrestling community, we need to be better. We need to be better about protecting our own not from the accusations but from being abused right so uh we need to just be better but moving on to that let's get into the fun because uh people don't typically turn on this podcast because they want to hear us talk serious we've talked serious before i've seen the metrics on it they prefer the (laughs) fun so There was once that they really did enjoy us talking. There have been a few, but... but Anytime we bash Jim Cornette, it's a good thing. Well, yeah. I mean, our numbers go up. (laughs) But, uh, so on that, I'm going to go ahead and get into crime number one here. Um, I, I made a... Even before the speaking out started happening, I had made a conscious decision that I wanted to keep this week a little bit lighter just a yeah. um we haven't had a traditional wrestling booking unit in four weeks this is the first one in three total weeks right um because we had uh nxt takeover in your house we had aew uh we had uh, uh wwe's um backlash right so it's been a while since we really had a chance to sit down and do an actual wrestling book so my crime is for AEW's own Dustin Rhodes, and he is charged with successfully executing an Irish whip into a back body drop on this week's Dynamite. And I cannot tell you when the last time I saw that successfully happen. <laughs> it has been uh, a long time. I, I know we've talked about it on one of our shows before. Hey, I've said it before that the first time I think I've ever seen the leapfrogger lay down work was the edge match. Edge and, Edge and Orton. I said it last week. It, there, I think I saw Matt Hardy do it once. Yeah. But so it's been a long time. Like, gr- growing up, the Irish whip into back body drop was a common thing. It was it was something Ric Flair got hit with all the time. Uh, it was one of his favorite things to do. When he took that back body drop, he would do that real crazy, oh, my God, look on his face as he went up in the air. And he would go high. So... It's been a long time, though, because the, the current trend in professional wrestling for probably at least the last five years has been... The person in the torso. 
yeah, has been to stop and kick the person in the torso instead of taking the back body drop. And I blame Triple H for popularizing that. This is all on you, Trips, for your stupid little jumping knee thing that you would do to people when they tried to back body drop you. You set the bar and everyone else said, oh, if you could do that, I'm going to continue doing that. The Irish whip is supposed to be the unstoppable move. Like, if you actually did an Irish whip to somebody and just got out of the ring, you could feasibly win just out of them running from exhaustion. There is a independent wrestler, Session Moth Martina, who actually does a, a bit in in uh, matches where someone will Irish whip her into a corner and then they'll just kind of step out of the way and she'll just continue running back and forth, slowly getting tireder and tireder as she <laughs> runs because her, her character is kind of a, a drunken party girl sort of a character. And my job is to keep doing this. And so she, she'll just keep running, and then eventually she'll peter out and just put her hands on her knees. And just, <sighs> so so it's it's just been forever since I've seen an Irish whip into back body drop that actually worked. And this week in the match, Dustin Rhodes uh, hit his opponent with it. Um, and I can't even remember. I think it was it was Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall against I can't even remember who it was. Uh, they wrestled against. Uh, anyways, doesn't matter. Guy took took the back body drop like a champ. Like went up in the air, flipped over, landed on his back, everything. Yeah. Maybe on. even placed his hand on the small of his back and went. Ah, ah, my back. That's that's rule number one of professional wrestling. No matter where they hit you, pretend your back hurts. Yeah, because that, I mean, sell something, and lower back is something everybody understands. So, anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was uh, the match versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Can't remember who took the back body drop. Wow. Guys that talented, you know, there's only so much room for wrestling knowledge, folks. And uh, once it's full, you start to lose stuff. And apparently Kenny or Adam Page lost that hey when somebody Irish whips me if they're bent down they're going to throw me in the air so yeah like oh jeez I forgot about that anyways it was just it was just phenomenal uh it was so much fun to watch I literally marked out sitting <laughs> it, alone in my living room watching it with my two year old playing with Legos in the corner I was like, okay, they're mega blocks. They're not Legos. I'm not stupid. I don't give my two-year-old the little tiny things. Um, they're the big old ones. Anyways. Uh, but You really put way too much thought into that statement. Holy cow. Well, as soon as I said Legos, I'm like, someone's going to be in the comic. You don't give two-year-olds Legos. Those are supposed to be their choking hazards. Choking hazard. <laughs> no, they're the big ones. They're actually, these aren't even the mega blocks. They're whatever the bigger one even is. The one that only has like two big posts on it instead of the four. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's a tangent we didn't need to be on. Um, but I just can't believe that you're killing the environment like that. Yeah. Buying plastics and whatnot. I'm pretty sure they're biodegradable. Well, on a long enough timeline, everything's biodegradable. Ed Zachary. <laughs> I'll melt them down and make something else out of them. They're PCP. <laughs> That won't release CFCs into the atmosphere at all when you're melting them down. Moving forward. <laughs> but I uh I just I loved seeing it. There's there's a soft spot in my heart always for old school wrestling tactics. Like, don't get me wrong, wrestling is always gonna be an 
evolutionary sport. Things that used to be finishers become commonplace and new things become finishers, right? I mean, there's a reason we didn't see Canadian destroyers in 1995. WCW. Oh, wait. Or did we? Or did we? You have to remember Sean Waltman invented the... There's a lot of evidence that he did. I'm... I've retweeted the the video uh, for it. I'm 90% certain it was a botched uh, sunset flip. Uh, Like, it was supposed to be a sunset flip powerbomb, but it ended up being a Canadian destroyer. And this was long before. It looked like, hey, dude, what if we do this? Dude, that's a great idea. I think that's that's what I got when I watched it. I think, wasn't it Waltman versus um, Jericho? I think it was Jericho. Um... And Jericho and totally took like a pile driver. Being, I could totally see those two being like, what if we do this? Okay, yeah. No, I mean, I think I can pull that off. Yeah, I think I can pull it off too. Well, okay. I, and I could also see it being like, I'm going to do a sunset flip power bomb, And then midway through the move, Jericho's like, this isn't going to land on my back at all. And just adapting and selling it like a, <laughs> a, a, a Canadian destroyer. A Canadian destroyer, yeah. Um, so anyways... But we didn't see them commonly. No. We we did, however, see Irish whips into back body drops all the time. And so it's always fun to, for me to see those come back. You know, uh, even if they, they don't have to make a ton of appearances, it's it's kind of like 80s movie stars. You, you want to see them show up every once in a while, kind of wave to the crowd and then disappear. You know, that's what this is. Uh, Molly Ringwald disagrees with you about that. Significantly. She, she can disagree all she wants. She's got more money than me and residuals that I don't got. So these movies, <laughs> all these eighties movies. So you know, I guess her opinion is valid. Um, At the very minimum, her opinion is pretty. But you know, I mean, can we all agree that we don't want to see Charlie Sheen star in a movie nowadays? <laughs> Cameos I, are fantastic, though. I, so you I'm, can occasionally get uh, uh, you can get the tiger blood rant at random. That's my point. Is he can come <laughs> out, he can appear at a at a roast of David Carradine or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> I think David Carradine's dead, so that would be a what, bad. Why would anybody ever roast David Carradine? Yeah, it's the dude from Kung Fu, man. He's the white Bruce Lee. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, because he's dead, um, and Chuck Norris is still alive. Yeah. Well, no, the reason I say that is Soft that enough. role, that role in that. Kung Fu was originally uh, conceived and written for Bruce Lee, and then the network was like, oh, let's put a white guy in it, um, oh, it written for an Asian guy. Quintessential television in the 80s. <laughs> let's, let's do a white guy instead. Uh, okay. Um, anyways... Can we find one who's not known for their kung fu skills? Perfect. Sure. Yeah. Let's do that. That's fine. Totally fine. Oh, the guy who actually knows karate and martial arts. Let's make him a Texas Ranger. That was probably actually his idea. Wow, we are on a tangent right now. We need Justin. Holy cow. It it is always weird when Justin is not here. Like, when he's here, we... I think we are just so busy wrangling his cat that we don't go off on our own tangents. But uh, when he is not here, we're chasing cats left and right here. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, so that's my crime. 
Um, but it's a crime of being awesome. Awesome Dustin Rhodes for awesomely successfully executing an awesome Irish whip into awesome back body drop on Dynamite this week. It was awesome. Good call. Dynamite as a whole was awesome this week. So uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch Dynamite this I week. Haven't I haven't had a chance to watch wrestling this week, which is uh, really sad. But but there were, there were some really cool things that happened in Dynamite this week. Number one, uh, we had the return of uh, a wrestler from, that appeared once on an episode of uh, AEW Dark. Um, her name is Abaddon. She is a... Uh, I don't know if she's supposed to be a demon um, or a zombie or a demon zombie or something else. But she's a female wrestler who... Uh, with a dark character, obviously. With a very dark character. Like, she's got blood dripping from her mouth and and this, like, pale skin and, um, con- like, those special effects contacts that makes her eyes look like they're bloody or green or something. I can't remember. Anyways, she appeared on an episode of Dark a few months ago and was really impressive. And uh, she came out this week and she wrestled against uh, the relatively recently signed Anna J. Uh, who's also a young up-and-coming wrestler. Um, and uh, this was Anna Jay's Dynamite debut. And uh, Abaddon, who up until this match uh, was not signed to AEW officially, uh, destroyed Anna Jay. Destroyed her. And uh, afterwards, it was announced that she has now been officially signed to AEW. So a great addition to the AEW women's division. Um, but also setting up a great storyline because Anna Jay afterwards, Brody Lee and the rest of the Dark Order came out. Yay! And crossing genders. And and walked her out of the ring down the bad guy tunnel, the heel tunnel. So um, I'm assuming we are going to get a a new designation for Anna J um, with some sort of number involved in there. Um, I think they go alpha on this, not numeric. Uh, Allowing I, her to keep her feminine side. They could possibly. They've just been so so big on the numbers. You know, they've got Evil Uno, uh, Stu Grayson is two. Uh, uh, they had Preston Vance, who is now Preston 10 Vance. Um, uh, Alan Angels uh, is now five. Um, so there's there's still still some numbers in there to ta- Oh, and uh, technically speaking, um, John Silver and Alex Reynolds are three and four. Um, although they've never officially said it. I think I think they said it on Dynamite, but never like announced them as three or four. Anyways, um, so that means six, seven, eight, and nine are still unaccounted for. So I have a feeling her number will fall somewhere in there. Um, but that was a, it was a good storyline and a great way. You know, they're using this Dark Order as a great way to build up these new wrestlers, you know, these young up-and-comers, to, to give them a shot, give them a gimmick that, you know, I, I enjoyed Anna Jay, but her gimmick was effectively pretty girl in a hat, you know? And so I don't this want to sound give- 
super lame here, but this has kind of a Ravens flock feel. And and so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna name a few wrestlers that did something with Ravens flock, and I'm gonna name a few that didn't. But you think about like Perry Saturn. Would anybody have ever given a rip about Perry Saturn had he not been part of the Ravens flock? And I don't know that we would. Um, Kidman had a career, but Kidman took off after Ravens flock. Um, Lodi which was idle backwards with Lodi. Um, I never would have cared. Reese really only had Raven's flock ever, and and being the largest man until the giant that Goldberg did the jackhammer to. Yep. You know, he, he was um, also the Yatai. Reese was? Yeah, the Yatai. Oh, God, he put on quite a bit of weight later then. Yeah. Because he was a lot heavier than he was as the Yatai. But yeah, you think about that and what the Ravens flock did for for some, and and this is the Dark Order is going to do the same for some of the wrestlers. You're not, I, I'm not saying John Silver is going to be a, a a household name. I'm not saying Perry Saturn was. I'm saying that it gave them a chance to step out. Well, it um, it built them up from being enhancement talent to mid card talent. Right. Sure. Sure. It, and and for Billy Kidman to being able to beat Hogan in a match. It, it so. took it took another step after that for them to go from mid card to main eventer sort of a thing. Um, but they, and that was is, on them. And Perry Saturn never made that step. The only person who really made that step was Raven himself, mm-hmm. which we've seen Brody Lee do already. So, yeah. and so it's it's one of those things that this is really great for getting someone's. Uh, feet in the door effectively to to take them from jobber into someone of note right what they yeah. go where they go from here is going to be all on them but uh and if you hold on to it long enough without having i don't know say goldberg come along and annihilate the entire flock or anything like that um if, if you can have this continue where where maybe they even leave and they have their own feud with the flock but or not the flock the the order um you know, they get jumped out, so to say. Yeah. <laughs> then they have a chance to stand on their own. Mm-hmm. Which also happened with Raven's flock at time. Um, yeah. Saturn was one of the examples of it. You know, so. that got jumped out. Yeah. So, so that that's where, yeah, the Raven's flock reference with this is very fitting. This is a great way for these people to be built up as, you know, not just enhancement so, talent. Let's be honest. Alex Reynolds and and uh, John Silver were enhancement talent when they first came into AEW. Sure. Um, that was their whole job, was to go out there and lose a match to someone else and look good while doing it. Um, and then the Dark Order storyline made them into names that we at least talk about in seriousness, right? Uh, Preston yeah. Vance and Alan Angels both started off as enhancement talent on AEW Dark uh, and now have legitimate roles in a main roster storyline because of this. And Anna Jay is another example. You know, you, uh, keep in mind, Anna Jay is really new in the business. Um, during her AEW Dark match, uh, or it was the her second AEW Dark match, Cody said that um, he just found out that that was her seventh professional wrestling match ever, right? She is still really young in this business, and this is a great way to to put her into a main roster storyline without having to put too much pressure on her to carry the whole storyline. Right, because right. then she doesn't have to have the you, she doesn't have to own the charisma 
to be a story. Now she can be, if she has the skills in the ring, the charisma can be developed. Which you get one of, I mean, any wrestler really, at the time that they get their first big shot, one of the two is there already. Mm-hmm. You know, Stone Cold for Stone Cold, it was, it was because he was still the ringmaster. It was, it was his in-ring profession. His in-ring skills were great until he developed the character Stone Cold. So, and that, the same storyline is going on with Alan Angels and Preston Vance. They were both enhancement talent. Both of them. Um, from what I've, I've been reading were Nightmare Factory uh, students, you know, and because they recorded that series of episodes from the Nightmare Factory in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, it allowed these people to get a chance and they made the most of their chance. And now they're in a main roster storyline. So so, yeah, it, it's a it's a great way to kind of skyrocket them into the business uh, without having to carry the storyline themselves. Because like you say, charisma is part of it. Mike skills are part of it. And it's one thing to cut a promo in advance, that you a pre-recorded promo where you can mess up and say, I'm sorry, can we do another take? It's another thing to walk out there live on a Wednesday night and grab a microphone and deliver a promo. Um and we, there are a lot of WWE wrestlers who struggle with it. Oh, sure. People this have been in the, the business for they, years. They fully script their promos, unfortunately, because people make mistakes. And so to give these people uh, a place where they can be in a main roster storyline, but not be relied upon to carry the storyline with promos, that's great. Um, the other thing that was really kind of fun, well, a lot of other things were fun on AW Dynamite, but another thing that was really fun was for uh, Cody's open challenge for the TNT title, right? Earlier in the week, he had announced that you did not have to be signed to AEW to challenge for this title, um, which led to a lot of speculation as to who his challenger could be. Um, Of course, there are a lot of big-name wrestlers who right now are still under no competes. Uh, so people threw out those names and then someone had to come in and be like, well, Zack Ryder can't do it because he can't uh, show up on another show till uh, July 15th. Oh, okay. nice for our dreams. Yeah. So so we knew it wasn't any of those, but who could it be? Uh, and before we get to who it was, Cody came out and he gave this wonderful promo where he talked about, you know, all all of these times. Uh, you know, recently he's been he's been uh, fighting with someone, whether it was um, MJF or whether it was Jake Hager, and all of those times, uh, even though he he's a member of the elite, no one came out to ha- help him out. You know, all of these times when he was in a thing like Jake Hager last week, um, did his own brother, his own family, come out to help him? No, and during this. It, it was so perfect. It was it was 100% rehearsed. I guarantee you it was. But he made it look like it was incidental. He goes to scratch uh, a, a scratch that he has on his chest, a leftover wound from before. Um, and he does it with four fingers. So he scrapes four fingers across his chest. Huh. Now, us old school wrestling fans know what the four fingers stands for. Sure. Sure, but we haven't had a four horseman in ages. No, we have not. But think about think about all of the uh, things that are happening in AEW right now. You've got Tully Blanchard mentoring Sean Spears, right? 
Um, and recently, recently Tully presented Sean Spears with the black fingerless gloves, which are very similar to the black fingerless gloves that Barry Windham uh, wore, um, but also similar to the black fingerless gloves that go on in the Four Horsemen history. Um, you've got Arn, a famous Four Horseman, mentoring Cody. Now, this whole speech had hints of heel turn Cody in it, which I cannot wait for heel turn Cody. Um, And so even though their first feud in AEW was uh, Sean Spears versus Cody, I am 99% certain they are leading up to Sean Spears and Cody in an AEW version of the Four Horsemen. So who becomes the rest of the Four Horsemen? Yeah, I mean, think about it. You could, you could have, you could have Mongo McMichael be in the four. Yeah, Mongo. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm thinking from from a style and a fit standpoint, FTR would make excellent and additions to the Four Horsemen. Yeah, which also would give maybe Spears as the chairman, the enforcer, mm-hmm. and Cody the voice. Mm-hmm. And, and in the end, that means they have effectively, it, it was one of the things the Four Horsemen were good at, but recently the uh, Undisputed Era in NXT have done this mentality. You've got one person to go after the main title. You've got one person to go after the secondary title. And you've got a team to go after the tag title. So you can make a run and effectively be draped in gold, right? Uh and that's that's something that this could do if set up right. Now I don't know if Sean Spears is necessarily a main event heavyweight champion sort of guy, but that would be the role he'd have to fill in this, since at least for the time being, Cody cannot challenge for the AEW heavyweight championship. But it also doesn't have to be Sean. Like it could be somebody else. Well, if they did the four horsemen with FTR. It would make no sense for FTR be, to be the ones to challenge. No, I'm saying it could be somebody other than Sean Spears. It, in the Four Horsemen? It could be. I think yeah. they're heavily hinting at Sean in it. But once again, this wrestling, who knows? The only thing that's for certain is nothing's for certain. Anyways. Um, but so the guy who ended up challenging him is former NWA World Television Champion, Absolute Ricky Starks, who came out and did a phenomenal showing in this match. Uh, did not win, of course, um, but did not win due to Cody being a little bit heelish, not full on like heel turn Cody, not him cheating to win, but, but him kind of winning through, I don't know, sort of heelish. Um, afterwards he got up and he shook hands with, uh, Ricky Starks and afterwards it was announced Ricky Starks is now signed to AEW. So all of this talk a few months ago about how AEW wasn't going to be signing a whole bunch of wrestlers during this this pandemic already they've uh not only have they not cut any wrestlers uh but they've signed a couple wrestlers now so i don't know i have a feeling we're gonna see some big names show up come july 15th fair enough but anyways that's that's a whole tangent that we went on after my crime of dustin rhodes awesomely executing a awesome irish whip to awesome back body drop on dynamite So we will move on to your crime. What do you got for us?
my crime is against a lot of pay-per-views at a very short amount of time. Um, I'm not upset about it, um, but it's tough to keep up. It really is very tough to keep up when there's, again, Dynamite or uh, AEW had a pay-per-view, NXT had a pay-per-view, and then WWE had a pay-per-view. And it was like, oh my gosh, you guys could have spaced these out some. And then I realized, no, they really couldn't. They really couldn't. They, uh, if even if you did one for NXT, one for WWE, and one for AEW, and you did it monthly, which AEW doesn't do it monthly, they're doing a four uh, a show of four. Um, but even if you did, my my laundry is ready to be switched over. Um, sorry, even if you did that, um, you. Uh, you're still getting two pay-per-views a month uh, if NXT has one monthly and WWE has one monthly and four times a year you're getting three in a month so yeah it's kind of a side effect of them moving NXT to their own weekends for their pay-per-views yeah, yeah it was easier to do just this weekend in wrestling mm-hmm. um, not that I had a problem with the, I mean the best pay-per-view in my opinion of the last month was probably NXT I know that you would say it was AEW but there were some pretty bad matches on AEW there was nope uh, nope there nope, was, nope nope there was no bad matches no bad matches at all huh? no bad matches you didn't see the Dustin match Kevin Dustin Baker wasn't in Footloose <laughs> okay Fair enough. I don't even know where I'm supposed to go with this now. <laughs> no, um, no, 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 no. So anyway, um, so and and again, we've been getting great wrestling considering there's no fans. I, I've had numerous people. So obviously, when you have a podcast, people start to find out you have a podcast. Um, and I've had numerous people in my real life come to me and be like, ah, it's just. I try to get into it, and I just it's tough without fans. And I'm like, yeah, well, you haven't seen a good cinematic match then, because otherwise it's not tough. Um, but if you watch the bad cinematic matches, you go, yeah, it's pretty tough <laughs> sometimes. So um, here's looking at you, Adam Cole, Bebe, and Velveteen Dream for your very bad cinematic match. <sighs> That was the worst cinematic match of that night. Wasn't the worst cinematic match we've had, though. It was nope, not the not. worst we've had. Nope. Nope. That WWE would be a tag match. Said, Hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and a week later, boy, did they show us the cinematic matches can be bad. They can even be not matches. Yes. Where, where dudes run across the top of a production trailer to get away from a gigantic ninja managed by Tazawa. What did we watch that day? It doesn't matter. Anyway, I, so I, Mike, I gotta Mike, be honest, if if I had had that cinematic match as a LSD fever dream, right, <laughs> I would never do drugs again. That <laughs> I would be like, oh my god, if this is what drugs are like, I never want to experience this again. And that's where we say, say no to drugs, folks. Yes. Don't do drugs. First of all, drugs are bad, okay? Second of all, don't do them. Third, don't do cinematic matches that don't have a match. Don't have anything. Like, I guess I I shouldn't say that because that Cena match could have ended without a pinfall count, and I would not have been upset. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's not about not having a match. It's about it not making any stupid sense. Like, (laughs) 
Well, that whole like, storyline hasn't made any sense the whole way through. No, and it's uh, it makes me very worried because reports have come out that uh, from inside WWE that uh, Vince McMahon is going to start taking a closer look and hand in NXT in the future, which was the worry that we had when they moved NXT to on TV that uh, eventually if the ratings were not as good as they hoped they would be, which they haven't been. Because uh, there was a virus, man. Like, Well, there, there was a virus, and yes, it hurt everyone. But at the same point, you know, we've we've had uh, what was it like thirty five weeks of of head to head competition between NXT and AEW, and AEW's won thirty of them, right? That's still five times that that's NXT's five won. five times that NXT has won. Really close ones. Yes, really close ones. But but my point is, in Vince's mind, that's thirty too many losses right but you know the interesting thing is vince lost and or vince won in the the war with wcw and he bowed out on thursday nights he's the one who left the thursday night behind not ted turner yep well here's the deal is um he won the war in the end but he lost it for 83 straight weeks um you you have to lose to eventually win, right? There's never been a war in the history of wars that one That's side has won battle. the entire time, right? Uh, that doesn't become a war if one side constantly wins, right? Yeah, that's that's called a hostile takeover. Mm-hmm. Uh, it becomes a war when the other side wins for a while, and then you have to change and do stuff. So, so it. You know, I don't think it's a good thing if Vince starts putting his hands on NXT because NXT has been the best product that WWE has oh. been putting out recently. By um, and and I think the big reason there, there's two big reasons that NXT hasn't been winning every week on Wednesday, and one of them is WCW, in my opinion, has been regularly putting on a slightly better product. WCW has, huh? AEW. Which is basically WCW 2.0. Um, in Vince's eyes, it is at least. At least in Vince's eyes. Well, in a lot of fans' eyes, they see it as as that because it it is doing a lot of the playbook WCW did. But no, AEW is doing, in my opinion, ever so slightly better every week. It's not night and day difference. It's not even necessarily overall difference. It's understanding what moves the the markers. Um, with the audience and a perfect example is orange cassidy every segment orange cassidy comes out on wins that quarter hour every week right whether it's directly orange cassidy causing it can be debated but from a purely statistical standpoint orange cassidy it wins it's the biggest draw in wrestling right now it's the biggest draw in wrestling right um oh i should say every week until this week Right. This week, Orange Cassidy's segment did lose, uh, but this week's Orange Cassidy segment was in the main event, right? Um, and so it went head to head with the NXT main event, which was the women's tag match, uh, which was, of course, bringing two of their biggest stars from from main roster in Bailey and Sasha Banks down and having them have a tag match against two of their biggest up-and-coming stars uh, in the form of uh, 
Shotzi Blackheart and um, Tegan Knox, um, and also featured their NXT Women's Champion coming out at the end, Io Shirai, and doing a bunch of Io Shirai coolness, right? Um, so this was this was a time when the main event didn't. But I think a lot of it is because AEW realizes, hey, Orange Cassidy moves moves the bars, moves the the the, the radar, right? Um, so let's put him in big situations. Um, they announced after AEW, well, not even after, at the end of AEW, after Orange Cassidy made his presence felt in the uh, main event match, which was Best Friends versus uh, the Sex Gods with Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. Um, and in the match, at one point, uh, one of them, I think it was Sammy Guevara, gets uh, pushed into the ropes, and when he bounces off the ropes, he gets tripped by the cameraman. Inadvertently, air quotes, tripped by the cameraman, right? And Trent takes the opportunity and, and ends up hitting Sammy Guevara with a big move and pinning him for the victory. Um, and then in the ring, Jericho and Sammy Guevara are complaining and, and pitching a fit. And the cameraman walks up onto the stage and sets the camera down and takes off his hat. And it's Orange Cassidy. And uh, so Orange Cassidy helps his friends win the match and then goes in and beats the tar out of uh, them, the, the La Sex Gods, for a while before they end up retreating like the cowardly heels they are. And then they announced that the main event, I think they announced that it will be the main event. Um, no, I guess it's not the main event, but for Fighter Fest in a few weeks, it's going to be Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. That's that's, that's a fun. that's a fun move the needle sort of match because Chris Jericho knows how to build up the future stars. And I guarantee you Chris Jericho was the first person to walk into the room and say, hey, I see how fans are reacting to orange cassidy put oh, me in a feud with him i whoever and again they scripted his introduction to the world except for people who heavily follow the indies and they scripted it so perfectly because he came in at a position that wasn't there for that battle royal the 22nd position in a 21 band battle royal what <laughs> And he came in, and he does the, the the shin kicks, and he does the super kick to the shin on Tommy Dreamer, and um, then he does a kip up with his hands in his pocket, and his shades stay on. I mean, the, the, they literally just went, well, hey, whole world, would you like to see this guy? And the whole world said yes. Everybody in wrestling, uh, everybody less Jim Cornette in wrestling said yes I would like to see this guy because they can see the talent and yeah that's amazing so um, and there's there's other guys like that but there's nobody else that has developed a character like that that you just go that's freaking genius and and that's kind of my argument for why I think as a whole AEW is ever so slightly putting on the better product because I think so much of it but comes are, down to Tony Khan. literally the two best products on mm -hmm. pro, in pro wrestling um, because New Japan doesn't really broadcast here and quite frankly they're overseas. Um, the, 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 
two best televised North American products are on the same night, and they're holding their own. The problem is wrestling is not gaining fans as a whole right now. No, that, and there's that. There's also the fact that Wednesday nights, we've talked about it, as a whole, especially in the United States, Wednesday nights have never been a destination wrestling night. No, Tuesday and Thursdays were yep. more Tuesday of a destination. Tuesday and Thursdays have. And Monday, of course, always has been. Uh, and Fridays for a while were, you know, and, and are again, right? But Wednesday was the one weeknight uh, that has never until recently been a regular wrestling night, at least in the United States, um, which is their main target market, right? Uh, so they are getting, between the two shows, about 1.4 million viewers uh, on Wednesday between the two shows it's usually pretty close it has, it has peaked at close to 2 million though between it's, the two. it's peaked up to that but on the regular it's at least 1.4 around there because yep. it's usually about uh 750k to one and 730k to the other something like that but that's the other thing i want to point out the difference between the two is a hair's breadth in the grand scheme of things we're talking 20 30,000 people you know uh, in the grand scheme of things in television, 20,000 people is a drop in the bucket. I think the peak for wrestling. Now, I, if you want to do a war, you got to do it on Mondays. I, I really do believe you have to do a war on Mondays that, that elevates both products. Um, because that's the, the nights that people are willing to tune in. Um, if you're not doing a war, I think it elevates wrestling as a whole. If NXT or AEW is on if they're not on the same night all the time. If you can watch five nights a week of wrestling, which soon when AEW does television, if they go to Tuesdays, yes, I know Impact's on Tuesdays, but it's it, it does not have the broadcast range that AEW or WWE do. Um, man, if you move NXT to Thursday, wrestling skyrockets in terms of it every single night of the week. It's a top five product on cable. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. And and here to to put a, a kind of a finer point on us talking 1.4 to 1.7 to 1.9 at the highest, right? But we'll just use the 1.4 because that seems to be the steadiest number 1.4 million viewers watching wrestling of some forms on wednesday 1.4 million households yes household right but 1.4 million households right wwe raw this week held steady at 2.1 million right so we're talking 700,000 20 on a 30 year show yes 30 year show yep mm -hmm. 700,000 viewer different right uh, for it to be a Wednesday in the middle of a pandemic with no crowds to get 1.4 to get two-thirds of the way. The, the interesting thing is what they go up against. So Raw's never gone up against anything except for Monday Night Football, ever. It's, Monday's never been a television night with the exception of Monday Night Football. That's why Monday Night Football went there. That's why Thursday Night Football went to Thursdays is because it wasn't a, a television night. Um, Fridays, you used to go up against sitcom night. Um, now you don't even go up against that. You really go up against recap night. Wednesdays are the nights you have your your competitive music and dance shows. That's tough to go up against. 
Yeah. I mean, that's where people can change their lives financially. Mm-hmm. It's why Sundays failed. Sundays were were reality TV. Reality TV took over Sundays, and Sunday Night Heat failed. Yep. And that's my point. Is is so if- the fact that wrestling's putting out one and a half million people or one and a half million households going up against I don't know what is it the voice that's that night the uh, um, mass singer. Mass singer. Yeah, I'm trying to bring up the the full wrestling uh, things to see uh, so we can talk about it. But um, anyways, but my point is still two two thirds of the way to the the Monday night rating, right? Uh, Two thirds of the way through it. You know, that's that's huge. And that's, you know, one point four million people who previously would not have been watching. I'm not joking. If NXT and AEW were on different nights, they'd both be putting up almost 2 million people. Definitely. Especially if it wasn't Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Two, I, I, they go up against one other singing show, but I think Thursday is wide open. Thursday is wide open. So yeah. I think Amazing well, Race is the strongest show on Thursdays. Yeah. The, the I think from what I heard originally, the reason that uh, AEW did not consider Thursdays is because they're on TNT and during go up against uh, NBA basketball. NBA basketball TNT has the contract with NBA, so they they would have to be uh, preempted many times on Thursdays. Uh, Which would have been they just would have been rolled back to Wednesdays anyways. But having a consistent night is a value. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Anyways. We could continue talking about ratings. I, that's why I, I was just saying, I think that AEW is ever so slightly the better product overall, but that's not to knock anything on NXT. NXT put on a phenomenal show this week. I already talked about how great the uh, main event was. Um, there was a, a confrontation between Keith Lee and Mr. Bebe himself that also included a couple other people uh, making their presence known. Um there's a lot of big big stuff that happened on NXT this week. And frankly, I I think I've said this before. Monday nights I watch wrestling because it's the night I've always watched wrestling. Friday nights I currently don't watch wrestling because Sling TV decided to cut Fox out of my local channels and so I have to find a different way to watch it and usually I just wait until it's up on Hulu or or someplace else. Um Wednesday nights, I rush home from work to watch wrestling. Wednesday night is the night I look forward and to And you wrestling. watch both shows that night, usually. Usually I do watch both shows. One then the other. It's the night I look for. It's the night that makes me happy to be a wrestling podcaster. Monday nights can be a slog sometimes. Thursday, Friday nights can be a slog. Most times. Yeah. Tuesday nights when uh, Impact airs, I watch it usually sometime on thursday you know i really enjoy impact they're doing a lot of fun stuff but it's it isn't to destination tv to me but AEW and nxt are and that's that's a big thing there fair enough anyways i can't even remember what your original crime was that we were talking too about. many pay-per-views two weeks too in many pay-per-views in a row that, yeah and that and that's the deal is if they would went back to the old model of nxt being the saturday before the major pay-per-view um it would be a little bit better because it would still it would only be one weekend a month that we would have to worry about uh but but yeah though this was three weeks in a row with pay-per-view after pay-per-view after pay-per-view and that's not even including that we've got uh 
Impact Slammiversary coming up in just a few weeks. So we're going to have Slammiversary and Fighter Fest, which isn't really a pay-per-view, so we'll move past it. And uh, Extreme Rules, you know, all in a very short period of time. Um, but it's a great time to be a wrestling fan at the same time as it's a dark time to be a wrestling fan. A weird it's dichotomy. <laughs> weird really dichotomy. But, but uh, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, it, my wife rolled her eyes uh, last weekend when I uh, reminded her on Sunday, you know, there's WWE backlash tonight. She's like, again? I thought we were done with wrestling pay-per-views for a bit. And I'm like, after this one, we'll be done for a bit. <laughs> a bit. Wrestling doesn't end. No, it doesn't. There's no off-season. There maybe should be. That's something that you can actually discuss and have a legitimate conversation of. Should wrestling have seasons? And and some could argue, make serious arguments that they should. Um, but they don't. The reality of it is it continues nonstop 365. I don't, I don't think wrestling... So we've actually had this discussion before. I don't think it needs to have a season, but I do think wrestlers need to have a season. I think that a nine-month schedule with three months at the stationary factory location um, and do a show out of that stationary factory location because now both of them... I don't care if AEW does a show out of their factory location, out of QT Marshall's location, um, that says, hey... We're this is this is our YouTube only show or this is our we do this show only on on Bleacher Report or whatever. Um, and you know, you want to be able to watch it on Bleacher Report, you gotta sign up. Would be a reason to sign up for Bleacher Report other than four pay per views a year. Um, at $50 a month. I don't know if I, I still don't know if I would pay $50 a month. I think I'd prefer paying for the pay per view one time. But, um, yeah, so that's that's an option anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think a nine-month season would give us a... Number one, it would mean that we wouldn't have to deal with uh, one-year title holders anymore, which mm-hmm. uh, we've already said wouldn't be great or is not great. Uh, number two, um, I don't know, because AJ's run for a year was good, but that, that's a rare occurrence that you actually enjoy somebody's one-year it, run. It's not that there should never be one-year runs. They should just be very rare, yes. in my opinion. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I think that that if we did that, if there was a nine-month season or two four-month seasons with two months off at the end of each of them, and then you have a total of eight months of travel, reducing that travel schedule is a gift to your wrestler's health, um, meaning that they can go work out at the factory whatever factory it is, whether it's Full Sail University, whether it's um, the power plant for WCW, whether it's uh, the Nightmare Factory, whatever it may be, um, to be able to work out there, to be able to work with your doctors there, to be able to rehab and recover, um, to be able to take some time to work on personal life. Um, You know, that would be a gift to some of those wrestlers. Uh, can you imagine how much shorter Kurt Angle's career would have been had he not gone to Impact and just been in Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm. Well, a- and I mean, I think the perfect example we're going to see here in in a little bit less than a month, a little bit less than a couple weeks, actually, three weeks, we are going to suddenly see a bunch of people who used to work for WWE and then got let go 
um, and have had 90 days of no actual wrestling, 90 days to focus on letting their bodies heal, uh, working out and getting in better shape, um, you know, planning, planning, you know, working on their skills in the ring, training, all of this stuff. We are about to see these these wrestlers start stepping back into rings, and I bet you we see some of them show up in better shape than they've been in a long time. Uh, Heath Miller, formerly Heath Slater, I think is one of them. I think when he comes out, we're all going to be surprised with how how in shape he ends up looking. Um, I bet you their skills are going to be tighter than than they've ever have been before. Um, they might have a little bit of ring rust after not being in an actual ring against someone for a while, but I think we'll be surprised with how good people like Zack Ryder, now Matt Cardona, um, how a EC3, you know, appears in the ring. These are people who had put their bodies through hell for WWE 365 for years uh, without getting a substantial amount of time off to really rehab and now we're going to have this time that they can actually look after their bodies for a while and i think that's the best argument we we can make towards giving giving wrestlers at least some sort of regular break time not a hey i need to ask for some time off so that i can do this or that but a you know hey you've been on the road for x number of months so we're gonna write you out of storylines for the next six weeks or whatever and uh, this is in no way shape or form saying we don't appreciate what you've done no this is us saying we do appreciate you we'd like it if you got a break yes this is you you've worked your butt off for us that now it's time for you to relax for a bit while we uh do th- because it uh, think of the storylines you know what better storyline is there than the triumphant return right Sure. I would argue that in wrestling, there's no better moment for any wrestler than when they return from being gone for whatever reason. Kayfabe injury or real injury. Uh, or or leaving to go to a different... best heels of all time. Because, but every time Triple H comes back, and I mean every time Triple H comes back, we get face Triple H. It is, it is one of the biggest pop moments ever when a wrestler returns after being gone for a bit. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, is the old saying. And so if you set it up where there's a rotation, not even a, a set in stone rotation, you know, uh, that way it doesn't become predictable, but where, you know, effectively they say, hey, we don't want you working more than X number of months in a row without taking a break, right? So you, you could set it at six months, say, don't work more than six months in a row without taking at least a one month break to let your body recoup, um, which means at most they work 11 months in a year, right? But then the next month, next year, they're only going to work 10 months out of that year. You know what I mean? Um, uh, but that way they, you know, they can make it a part of the storyline. You know, if you're the champion, you lose to someone you didn't feel like you should lose to and you go off to Rocky Balboa train for a month and during that month maybe you film some vignettes of you training in your secret training facility aka garage um <laughs> uh and then when you come back 
you challenge for the belt to win back the belt again, right? That's a, a great storyline that almost writes itself. Um, and you get the huge pop and you get some time off to rec- rest and recuperate your bones a bit. Um, you can write the storyline where if, if you want to, you know, say, hey, if you would prefer, you can move down to NXT for the month. You'll continue to wrestle during that month on your preference, right? This is your option to do, but you could go down to NXT and wrestle in NXT for a month where all you will have to do is wrestle one day a week and then you can recuperate it again. And then after that month, you can come back to the main roster. So this creates this kind of back and forth loop with NXT that helps NXT because some of your big names, your Randy Orton's come down to NXT, you know, and you could even have them have this whole storyline where I'm better than this, you know, but they told me I needed to come down here and show you guys what's up. Um, and then Randy Orton runs through the NXT roster and they all have to kind of rally together to figure out how to beat the wily veteran uh, builds up everyone. And it allows people to have a little bit of time to rest and recoup. Which would be so healthy. Yes. For, again, all of pro wrestling, not just for one brand. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the, there are lots of wrestlers who leave, who, who go to WWE. They, they go to the indies and they do the super hard travel schedule to eventually get to WWE to build their legacy and then once their legacy is built, they go to the Indies, back to the Indies, or to a um, different type of promotion. I don't want to say lesser promotion, but a different type of promotion, which doesn't have them travel as much. Mm-hmm. You know, I, how many times did we, on 83 Weeks, did they talk about you know Nash saying, hey, I'm going to go to this place because I don't have to travel as much. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's it's frequent that you hear Bischoff talk about these guys came to me because they wanted a lesser travel schedule. That's yeah. it. That was one of the main selling points of WCW early on is they didn't travel nearly as much as WWE. Now, towards the end, they started to travel about as much. But at the beginning, it was we're going to pay you WWF money, um, but you're you're only going to be on the road two days out of the week. You know, sure. Yeah. So, and they didn't have multiple pay per views a month. Back to they did not. We went off on another tangent. Healthy tangent. So that's a great crime number two. I agree with you. Um, it's it's the catch twenty two of being a wrestling fan is it, it gets really busy during pay per view times, especially you know when everything lines up like they did here. AEW is only doing four main pay per views a year so far. And for their main pay-per-view to line up and then the following week be NXT's pay-per-view because they only do four main pay-per-views a year uh, or so, four or five a year, right? And then the following weekend be a pay-per-view for WWE. Oh, it does get a little exhausting. Um, not that we're complaining because we love doing what we do. Uh, wrestling is uh, our jobs. Kayfabe jobs, but it's our job, you know? <laughs> Um, but it can get a little exhausting. And so it was nice to have a, a weekend where we didn't have wrestling this weekend. Yeah. So instead I could rewatch NXT. <laughs> and not have to watch 27 hours worth during the week. Yes. We only get limited to 20 hours. It's a lot yeah. easier. Yeah, it was a break. It was like, a, like a vacation. 
Yeah. Vacation from podcasting that we're talking about on our podcast. Yes. So so moving on, I only actually have one real misdemeanor for this week. Um and and I don't know who to actually charge with it. So the misdemeanor either is charging myself or charging AEW. I'll let the fans decide who gets charged for this. So in my AEW reviews over the last few weeks, I made a slight change in the format. And that change was I no longer reported on AEW Dark on my AEW recap. Uh... And it was based on the fact that AEW Dark, uh, while it's technically canon, very rarely did anything of any real import happen. Uh, and they ruined it. Um, well, they they didn't ruin ruin it yet, but they sort of did. Um, but but they, you know it's been uh, wrestler fights jobber wins, you know, for weeks. So it just wasn't. It wasn't fun. It wasn't entertaining to report on. Uh, but then this week on AEW Dynamite, they put up a AEW Dark Results ticker across the bottom during one of the segments. I don't remember seeing it before. If it happened before, I didn't notice it. But this was the first time I noticed it. That they're now actually reporting on AEW Dynamite what happened on AEW Dark the night before. Oh my god. Damn it, I just stopped reporting on Dark. And, and so now I might have to start reporting on Dark again. Ah. So that's my misdemeanor. I don't know whether it's a misdemeanor against me for not reporting on Dark anymore or a misdemeanor against AEW for doing the Dark Results ticker. Um, But, but either way. Either way. It's a thing. It's a thing. So do you have any misdemeanors to go into this week? I got Nothing. Nothing. That's a pleasant week in wrestling. No misdemeanor. I hear that. And then in terms of commendations, my my commendation this week is a blanket commendation. I am commending any wrestler out there that's not a sexual predator. (laughs) Uh, So if if you're not a sexual predator, go ahead and put your hands up. Don't admit that they're sexual predators. They're just like, oh, no, she, she wanted it. I mean... That's what they spend their time convincing themselves of. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just telling you, you can't commend them when they don't even know. I I am commending the ones that are legitimately not sexual predators. And I say, if you are a professional wrestler and you are not a sexual predator, put your hands up. And then I say really quickly, I think a few of you need to put your hands down. Um, Because we've got names on a list and I think some of you need to at least step back and consider. You uh-huh. just made the list. Yes, this is not a list you want to be on. So. No, it's not like Jericho's WWE list. No, it is not. But that is my commendation. Uh, because I know there are good people out there. I know that there there are these allegations of abuses against a staggeringly large number of people. But I also know that it is not everyone, that there are a lot of people that very importantly have not been accused. And it is also important to take a step back and realize that even though there are some names on the list of accused that I'm surprised by and shocked by and and angry at because I I admired these people and now now I 
am questioning that. But for every one of those, there's a dozen people that aren't on this. Sure. There's two dozen people. You know, um, it, it, it's under the same token of for every for every Randy Orton, there's at least or, or John Cena who cheated on their wife uh, traveling and wrestling. Um, there's at least one AJ Styles who doesn't just doesn't at yep. all. And that's the deal. So so that's why I'm I'm issuing a blanket statement out there. So if you are a professional wrestler and are legitimately not a sexual predator, you are being commended. Fair enough. But but the commendation ends if you are accused. That's all I'm saying. It is rescinded for you. I am looking at you, certain wrestlers. <laughs> I thought for sure a name was coming out there. No, I am I am choosing not to repeat names at the moment. There and there's a lot of reasons. I I kind of hinted at this before, but there are a lot of these accusations that have not explicitly named the person um, for lots of reasons, including legal reasons, right? Uh, if you name the person um, and you don't have proof, you do hurt your chances of of actually prosecuting this person. Um, if, if the crime happened a certain amount of time ago and it did not involve... Uh, a crime that has no statute of limitations, naming the person now might put you in legal problem, right? So there are lots of reasons that some people did not specifically name the wrestlers they're accusing. Um, doesn't mean that what happened didn't happen. So, uh, but I want to commend that, like I say, there's there's been a lot of a lot of wrestlers who've come out and said that they legitimately did not know. Uh, that this was going on, they were they were unaware of it, and that they wished they had known uh, a little bit more about it, and uh, that they are sorry that anyone has to have gone over it, and gone through it, you know. And and I want to commend those people, the people who are being allies to these people, um, and just say, hey, we need to be better as a whole, you know. We we need to believe believe the victims, and and even more than. Uh, believe the victims we need to work to make sure there are no victims in the future and so when a wrestler uh is a skis ball instead of sweeping it under a rug um they need to be swept out the door like some people were that you know it's interesting you actually told me one of those people who was terminated story and i'm like you know it's a little it's a it's it's sleazy and, and gross and then you got to the part where it was like undeniable man like you just can't do that like it's one thing to sit on somebody's lap or to invite somebody else to sit on your lap it's entirely another to follow them into a restroom mm-hmm. exactly entirely another like like i wanted to be on your side at first and you know because you know one of my concerns during the hashtag me too movement is there were people who were saying well, yeah i'm just tired of the guys hitting on me yeah such a horrible problem there's a big difference between guys hitting on you and guys grabbing you. Mm-hmm. Big difference. Huge, enormous difference, fellas. But but so in the end, like I say, the the problem people need to be shown the door um, yes. and they need to be caught earlier. Now, there there are things that as a wrestling community and, and things that are outside of our hands as wrestling fans and podcasters, but there are things that they can do to to help alleviate this you know one of it is a lot of the training 
in wrestling starts out as a really early age, um, and it's in basically unregulated training facilities. You know, um, you know, if if you want to run a daycare in the United States, you have to have certain licenses. Uh, if you want to run a fitness club, you have to have certain licenses, right? Um, if you want to be a therapist or a physical trainer, you have to have certain licenses. But professional wrestling falls in this gray area where the only license you have to have to become a wrestling trainer is some sort of experience in wrestling. You might have to have a business license if you're like, you have to be registered with your secretary of state, wherever you're at. Well, but, but that's why I was saying training. Yeah. Training. The only licenses you actually have to have, you know, because a business license is just a piece of paper that you file and you fill out a, a yeah. couple pe- pieces of form and say, I'm going to pay taxes. Right. And I know I've, I've, in my life owned multiple business the the ease of getting a business license right it's it's tougher to buy a rated m for mature video game than it is to get a business license (laughs) um but but that's my point but you know you don't have to be trained in in uh any sort of um ethics i mean heck uh you know, you have to go through a lot of ethics trainings to sell cars, you know? You do. You have to go through ethics trainings to sell cell phones, right? You don't have to take ethics courses to run a pro wrestling school. All you have to do is say, I'm a pro wrestler, come train with me. Um, and what happens is you've got these, especially in this day and age now, in a, when women's wrestling in uh, America has seen a, a resurgence, um, has become more popular than it's ever been. You've got now a whole crop of 15-year-old girls who've been wrestling fans for 10 years now. Well, five years since the women's revolution in WWE, right? Uh, have seen Thank some you, of their stars. Man. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for inventing women. Um <laughs> But so five years, so they were 10 years old when they watched Paige walk out and uh, beat AJ Lee for the uh, Divas title. And they thought, that's what I want to be. I want to be that sort of a, a wrestler. And then they go and they find a wrestling school and the person running it has no ethics training. Um, and it's just a single, you know, 25 to 40 year old man running the school. And these kids pay money to go to this school and they're there unsupervised. He's the only adult in the arena, in the entire building with them uh, and a bunch of other 15 or 16 year olds um, and maybe some other 19 year olds, technically adults, but still kids, you know, Um, that that that's an unsafe environment in any terms. That's something that should not happen. Right. You know, when I was 15 years old, um, if I wanted to take a gymnastics class, right, you had to be an accredited gymnastics coach. um, And there were multiple adults there from both sexes to monitor what happened, right? Um, Another thing that could change in professional wrestling, and some some, uh, federations do this, but the indies, it's very, very rare. Um, but is is uh, designated locker rooms, right? Um, don't make the women change with the men, you know? Say what? That happens? Yeah. 
a lot of indies, it's just no, one locker room, right? And that's where a lot of these uh, uh, stories start off with, we're in the locker room changing after a match, and so-and-so walks over to me with his penis hanging out, you know? Um, that that shouldn't be an option, right? I, I personally think that um, wrestling is big enough now, if you're a major federation, if you're an AEW, an Impact, a WWE, um, you can set up changing booths that are private enough that a person, you know, it's not a full locker room. It is a booth. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, that's what they do at, at, at events. I mean, how many times has Goldberg's closet or uh, locker room been just, it's really just a closet or it's the locker room and they slapped a sticker on it for the segment, you know? <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, well, yeah. that's my point. It's 173 times. It's, there, it's yeah. There are a lot of, a lot of times, a lot of things they can do to help minimize the chances of this happening. Um, they're never gonna gonna be able to 100% stop it from happening because you know, uh, woman backstage at wrestling, creepy old man backstage at wrestling corners her in a corner that no one else knows about or no one can see. You know, things like that will happen. But that's when it comes down to providing a uh, a safe way of reporting where the the reporter will not be punished, right? Where they can feel safe with coming forward and saying, hey, backstage, this happened. And they know they won't face reprisals for it. Um, and, and, you know, in, in many ways, this is this is uh, a microcosm of society just in general. But we're going to focus on wrestling because this is a wrestling podcast. So what? So but in general, there are things they can change. Um, some some people are advocating going as far as not training underage people. Um, and I don't necessarily know if that's the answer. Uh, it, it, it is a answer. I don't know if it's the best answer because that, that treats the underage aspiring wrestler as the problem. And it's not, they're not the problem. The fact that they want to learn to be a wrestler is not the problem. The problem is that for too long, uh, a blind eye has been turned to the skis balls who use their power uh, to coerce these underage wrestlers into into compromising situations. So, you know, I think I think having um, having a female presence in uh, like an authority figure sort of presence in wrestling training would be a good idea at all times, right? So it wasn't but, such a male-dominated you know, trait. We, we frequently see, hear stories of, of physical assaults that occur, um, and that that's going to apply on both sides of that spectrum, whether they're male or female. Um, in fact, it has. We know about Moolah's, Moolah's school. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you're not going to eliminate it, but by gosh, have a way to... Have a way to not have that list be 30 people, yeah. you know? That's the deal is, is, yes, we need to understand that we we will never be able to 100% eliminate it. Um, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Yeah. In fact, that all the more reason means that we need to try. Because every, every one of these that happens that we don't try to eliminate, that's now on us. You know, this genie is out of the lamp now. We... 
we are aware of it happening now as a society um and and because of that we need to start start working on making sure that it doesn't happen as often as we can you know and you know representation is is part of it that's why i say you know i think if you're gonna run a wrestling training school and going to train underage uh people and going to train underage people of the opposite sex of yours right you should be required to have uh mediators for lack of a better term um that match the opposite gender right uh someone there to be an authority figure towards them uh i mean there's a reason that when you and i were in high school um our pe coaches typically were different between the men's pe and the women's pe right uh sure you know um but it's also important that they had multiple pe coaches i don't know hardly any schools even the smallest uh schools that i've known of have at least a a alternate pe coach that's of the opposite gender right even the smallest schools that had integrated pe still had multiple coaches for lack of a better term uh so that so that there was someone that either side felt comfortable going to for support anyways back to my commendation i'm commending any wrestler that is not a sexual predator um and that unfortunately is less of them than i thought there were five days ago yeah but do you have any commendations anything to make us laugh please say yes uh, oh God! The, the commendation to everyone who uh, who uh, you know doesn't need to be told that being a sexual predator is wrong. I suppose just well, yeah. just people as a whole, just yeah. like in in general, yeah. that is something that we really shouldn't have to. T- it's kind of like <laughs> when they started having all of those things, like, hey, the CDC recommends you wash your hands. Yeah. Not just during a pandemic what? should you watch. I mean, it's not just now. You always should be washing your hands. Um, In fact, period. we made fun of Justin for that a couple times. Yeah. I'm still washing my hands. Oh, well, I'm glad you started. Yeah. Uh, and so so it's not just now stop, uh, you know, make sure you're not a sexual predator. You always should have been making sure you're not a sexual predator. And and um, here's here's hoping that they uh the the people who are not sexual predators are not sexual predators uh consciously and subconsciously you know yeah yeah anyway all right no i I, i'm winding down hardcore right now i think you are too fine that's Um, fine we will go ahead and wrap this up for the night i always say like share and subscribe uh, so make sure on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on, whether it's Podbean or Pocket Casts or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever one you use, there is a button somewhere on there that's like follow this podcast or subscribe to this podcast or like this podcast. It's named different on each one of them, but it does the same thing. It makes sure you get notified every time we post a new episode, which is often uh, and sometimes multiple times in one day if we're running behind I, it is not unheard of for me to toss up three reviews in a single day if we're running a little behind so make sure you have that clicked so that you get notified when we post the new episodes there 
Share the episodes. It's the easiest and cheapest way to support us. So if you enjoy our podcast, you enjoy what we have to say, and you think we're entertaining and funny and insightful and and maybe smart and handsome, I don't know. Um, make sure it's the easiest way to support us by by just clicking that share button. Every pa- platform has it. You can share it to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or or face match or face swap or swappa or whatever there uh, there's a new social media network all the time so but Snap share it to all your chat. friends snapchat you can share it on there um and and let them know to vlog. come yeah put it on your own vlog um make make a make a youtube stream about how you listen to this great podcast whatever Geo you can cities. do maybe you want to cite us on your GeoCities website GeoCity yeah. still a thing? Um, I think it does actually technically exist still, but no one uses it. I think it's mostly the place you go to look at old websites that show you how bad they were in the 90s. <laughs> um, because they were bad. Anyone who did not grow up in the 90s to see a GeoCities website, uh, go look up a GeoCities website. and uh, Share us on MySpace. Yes. Friendster. Napster, you can do that too. Download the podcast, put it out there in the Napster universe. Frostwire. Um, so, and and that's a great way. Tell your friends all about us, and then follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at raw and order wbu. All is one word. You can follow da fabe at da vincent k fabe. All as one word. I've never even thought about the fact that. Can you do them as not one word? You can do them with underlines to, to be spaces. Um, but I want to make sure everyone knows it's just one word, no dots, no whatever. Um, we do now have a Patreon site, so you can head over to Patreon.com/slash Raw and Order WBU, and on that website, on the Patreon, you can support us. Throw a couple dollars our way. Uh, patron accounts are as little as three bucks a month and they go up from there and earn some really sweet options like our uh, Patreon exclusive Discord server, the ability to vote on uh, future uh, recap classic classic pay-per-view reviews. Yeah, uh, like I, say in a month where there was three pay-per-views, the fourth one, instead of doing a WBU, maybe we just do a classic pay-per-view. Well, and I actually didn't even get a chance to tell DA Fabe about it yet, but I actually did uh, post to our Patreon our July poll for, for the classic Ooh. pay-per-view. Right. So uh, you can head on over. You have to join at a certain level to get access to this particular poll. Um, but the options right now for we're going to start off our July pay-per-view classic pay-per-view review uh, I think with a bang so oh my god please say Halloween Havoc 96 Halloween there, Havoc 96 there's not Halloween Havoc 96 there's Bash at the Beach 96 uh, just as good just as good uh, I have Wrestlemania 3 as an option that's a big one so yeah that's that's the slam mm-hmm. I have Wrestlemania X7 the first TLC match. That's also Stone Cold versus The Rock, isn't it? I believe so. And then ECW One Night Stand 2005. This was oh, the first return. Why? Why? This is the good one. People are going to vote for that. This is the good one. Uh, 
This is not the bad ECW one night stands that followed. This is the good one. This is Bischoff in the in the bleachers, isn't it? On the balcony. Yeah. So you can go there and you can vote which one we will review in our July review. Um, You can also join at a certain level where you get a free t-shirt just for joining. So there's a lot of fun stuff you can do at patreon.com slash raw and order WBU. Um, If you don't want to join Patreon, don't want to set up a reoccurring thing, we also have our merch store. Shop.spreadshirt.com slash raw and order WBU. You can head on over there and you can buy a not a cop shirt or a link is in the doobly-doo shirt. And speaking of which, the link to the shop and our Patreon will be in the doobly-doos. So, uh, great ways to support us. Check us out on any of those. Um, but for that, I think we're running out of time. Um, to quote Tony Shawnee, oh, we're dearly out of time. We will see you next time. Goodbye.